Research by the National Academies pointed out that scientific leaders have to actively work to end harassment of and remove barriers to advancement by women. One federal scientific leader has taken that advice to heart, starting with conference panels consisting of all bros. Joining me with more, that leader, the director of the National Institutes of Health, Dr. Francis Collins. Dr. Collins, good to have you back. It's nice to join you. Tell us about your new policy. Well, it's occurred to me there was something I could personally do about this issue where women do not get the kind of recognition and the welcoming sense that we wish they had in the scientific workforce because they're incredibly talented uh, producers of great new insights. And yet, if you talk to women in the scientific workforce, they would say they always are feeling a little bit like they're not so welcome, that they're signals of that sort. So one of the things I have noticed is sometimes that plays out when you go to a symposium or you serve on a panel of senior scientists, all too often the panel is all men. And I've occasionally gotten trapped in some of those. And I decided on a long flight back from the West Coast that this was something I could do. Basically, people like me to come and speak at their meeting. I'm not going to come unless they show me the agenda and make it clear that they've really made an effort to include women in the marquee speaking roles and on panels and also other members of underrepresented groups. We can do better. Now, NIH encompasses a huge range of scientific endeavors. In your experience, are women more active or more populous in certain areas of science than in others? That's true to some degree, although in life sciences, uh, women really are a critical players in virtually all of the areas that we support. And that's uh, quite gratifying to see. If you look at who's getting doctoral degrees in life sciences, as of now, slightly over 50% of those degrees are going to women. That's the good news. But when you look at the more senior positions, we are still short. We still have a paucity of women and other underrepresented groups who are full professors, who are chairman of departments, and who are the keynote speakers at major symposia. And we need to do everything we can to turn that around, because right now it's clear we're losing talent along the way. Sure. And getting back to that question of academia, I guess maybe meeting planners want to go to the highest ranked person they can get for a given symposium. And even though there might be a brilliant woman scientist who has not reached the level of hierarchy out of academia, then it seems like there's an upstream problem with who it is that decides who gets advanced, who gets those full professorships, who gets those department chairmanships. I think that's absolutely right. And this is something the National Academy pointed out in this very important report a year ago, which was focused on sexual harassment, which is sort of the most egregious tip of an iceberg. But they pointed out that there's more going on there. And the culture of science does tend subtly to send messages to women that perhaps they're not as valued, not as welcomed as the men. And we need to change that at every level, certainly in academia, in terms of how promotions are being handled. But all that sometimes is connected to basically who gets the invitation to give the big speaking role. Academia notices that. You know, my experience is when people are setting up meetings of this sort, they do try to get the people that they think are going to be the biggest draw But they often go to their traditional networks of the people who know people, and oftentimes those are men. 
And when I have raised this issue with meeting organizers in the past, I've often gotten the response about, oh, gosh, you know, you're right. We hadn't thought about that. People are, I think, actually quite willing to change the plan now, as long as it's brought to their attention and it's not just this default where you go to the famous guys, because oftentimes they are guys, and you forget the fact that science advances because of diversity, not just because everybody has the same point of view. We're speaking with Dr. Francis Collins, director of the National Institutes of Health. And the larger and perhaps more sinister question is if we can assume that maybe over time more women will join those ranks and get those invitations. But the issue of harassment, I've heard this from a number of quarters in scientific fields and also engineering fields and some of those high-level areas where they interact, that women of longstanding and of recognized ability have faced real harassment, much more overt harassment than simply not getting promotions, which is bad enough. What do you think is going on there, and how can that one get moved along? That's a very serious issue. We just recently completed a survey here at NIH of our own employees and contractors and trainees, and about 21% of the women who were surveyed said they had experienced some form of harassment in the preceding year. Most of those more subtle, like verbal put-downs, what you might call gender harassment, the actual sexual egregious harassment, coercion, is relatively less common, thank goodness. But none of this is acceptable. So as NIH director and with strong support from all of my senior leadership, we have elevated this to an issue of the highest priority. We are changing the dynamics here in our own uh, employee group. But we also, because we fund the, the majority of academic biomedical research have some ways that we can influence what's happening out there. We've set up a hotline so that people who've had the experience of being harassed have a place they can go to because oftentimes they're not quite sure who to talk to. And we have a variety of other ways that we're expecting our grantee institutions to take this more seriously than they have in the past. This is not okay. Uh, We are not uh, acknowledging that things have been done properly in the past. We aim to do better. Does NIH, in fact, have legal levers for grantees such that you can perhaps end a grant if this kind of report comes in? We do. So if someone who is the investigator, a principal investigator on a grant, uh, is found to have been potentially engaged in an episode of sexual harassment and is put on administrative leave, Uh, We remove them uh, from the grant. We find somebody else to manage it until such time as the investigation is completed. So we do have those levers. We have to work with our grantee institutions because the investigators are not our employees out there in a university. They still work for the university, so we have one level between us and them. But working with universities, and there's, I think, a lot more sensitivity about this, we aim to take that with the greatest seriousness and not have sexual harassers continue that sort of behavior without responsibility and without consequences. And there might be, a perhaps I'm thinking, I'm imagining this, a more subtle outcome in that when a grant goes to someone with a famous male leader there, a longtime scientist of some sort, maybe that person could give the opportunity to female students, graduate students, or less ranked scientists to maybe take the lead, shine, and get some of that credit probably that they might have deserved in the first place. Well, yeah, and I do think it's up to men like me, and I'm uh, in this same category of a senior white male scientist, to recognize that we have had an experience of privilege. We've been benefited by the kind of natural network that exists Uh, We have, uh, I think, now got the responsibility to try to understand how to share those opportunities. 
And that's good. For, and this isn't just a nice thing to do, although it is a nice thing to do. It's also very clear that science advances when you have diversity in the teams that are doing the work. And so the more we invite women and folks from other underrepresented groups to be senior leaders and to define the pathway forward and to be innovators and unleash that capacity, the faster science will move forward. And given what you said about the percentage of degrees in scientific fields that are going to women, which is greater than 50 percent, it sounds like the issue of young girls thinking of and then pursuing scientific careers, that seems to be where it should be. It's very gratifying to see how that has changed over the course of 20 or 30 years, where now it is true uh, that young girls and young women see science as an area of great appeal. What we have to do is to be sure if they take that step forward and they join this scientific workforce, that it has all of the welcoming features, the supportive features that it should for everybody, and that women are not somehow seen as second-class citizens, which still happens a little too much in some places, and we're going to change that. Dr. Francis Collins is director of the National Institutes of Health. Thanks so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. It's nice to talk to you about this very important issue. And if you want him on your panel, make sure your agenda is diverse. Find a link to more information <laughs> and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Pop quiz. What can you buy for three ninety nine? Not a latte, but for less than the cost of a cup of coffee, you can get all your favorite music ad-free. While other streaming services jack up their prices, Live One's membership is only $3.99 per month, and you can lock in that price for a full year. Join now to get the best deal in music with zero ads, unlimited skips, and maximum audio quality. Get the music you love at a price that fits into your budget with Live One Plus. Check out liveone.com slash bestmusic for details.